Well, good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. If this is your first time with us, so glad you joined us for worship this morning. It's a great morning to be here. We're starting a new sermon series called Signs of the Times. Anybody here like apocalyptic literature, end times studies? So exciting, right? Well, we're going to be looking at one of the uh, only eschatological texts in the book of Mark. Big church word this morning. I love those big church words. Eschatological. Say it with me. Eschatological. Eschatology is the study of end times. So uh, there's your seminary work for this morning. This is going to be a kind of like a, uh, a crash course a little bit um, just over the next two weeks in, in this text that we see Jesus talking about the end times. Well, we are meant and called to live as if we are in the end times because we are in the end times. Jesus could come back at any moment like right now. Oh, I was really hoping that would work. But uh, I guess I should have wrote a sermon for this morning. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Ah, yeah, it's a little early, but I, I, yeah, you're with me. No, we are, we are called to live as if Jesus were coming back right now. And, you know, it's wild to think about that. Because as we live out our lives, there's so much that goes on in our lives. We, as we grow up and we get a job, we have kids, we have jobs, we have all these different things that come into our lives, all these different responsibilities that weigh on us and weigh heavily on us that distract us from um, our real mission and calling in our existence. And that's to glorify God and worship Him, you know, and use our lives for His glory. And we lose sight of that. And one of my uh, favorite things about studying the end times is that it really is meant to inspire us and motivate us to look for Jesus everywhere. Look for Jesus in every area of our life. Now, I don't know if you've uh, heard about it or not, but there's a revival that's broken out at Asbury Seminary, Asbury College. Oh, everybody's been on YouTube or Facebook, you know, see these pictures. But um, that uh, uh, revival has kind of broken out into colleges all over the place, Cedarville, Lee University, and different places. So it's exciting times. You just never know when Jesus is going to come back. But so we do, we, um, it's, the Bible tells us no one knows the day or the hour, but there is a season that we should be aware of. Jesus gives very clear direction today as we look into Mark chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 13. We're going to look at the first 23 verses today, and we'll finish up this eschatology study next week um, as we finish out what Jesus says about the end times. Are we ready? Okay, this is going to be like drinking from a, fi a fire hydrant. So uh, let's pray before we read God's word and fasten your seatbelts. Let's do this. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word, that you have preserved your holy scriptures uh, throughout the centuries, God, that we can look into it to learn about you, to know about you, that you reveal yourself to us in your word, that uh, your Holy Spirit that lives in the heart of every believer makes these words come to life in us. Uh, God, we trust in that supernatural occurrence. Even now, as we open your word this morning, God, we know that we are going to walk out of here different people than we walked in because we've met with the creator of the universe, that you've spoke to us, that you've touched us. We have sensed your presence even in the worship that we have sung to you this morning. 
We give you all glory and honor and praise. We bow before you this morning. We recognize you as King of kings and Lord of lords. There is no other name like the name of Jesus. We surrender to you, Father. Use me, Father. Give me the words to say for your kingdom and for your glory, for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 13, we'll just jump right into it. It says, And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. What a statement. I mean, this disciple looks at these amazing buildings, and they were amazing buildings, breathtaking buildings. And it was unmistakable. It was just an amazing sight to see. But Jesus' response is even more shocking than the look of these fantastic buildings. Not one stone will be left on the other. What is he saying? He is prophesying the destruction, the temple, and the buildings in Jerusalem. That's pretty wild. Like if, I, if you were to walk with me down through Canton or North Canton, we go by the Hoover building, and I say, they say, wow, look at the Hoover building. You can see that smokestack from miles away. That's amazing. And I just said to you, not one brick will be left on the other brick. You'd be like, man, what's he talking about? This prophecy Jesus speaks comes to pass. We live on this side of what Jesus said. So we can actually look back and see what Jesus was saying. It was actually in 70 AD under Titus's leadership, the Roman Empire invaded and completely destroyed Jerusalem. Jesus's words come to pass. Jesus, the Son of God, prophesied these things to happen and they happened. Something remarkable. This is just another marking or proof or evidence that Jesus is not just a man and that the Bible is not just a book. Let's pick it up in verse 3. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. I'll stop right there. The first filling in your notes, as you came in, you should receive a program, and you can take notes in there and fill in the blanks. The first blank is this, pray for discernment. We need to pray for discernment. I love how Jesus answers this question. Uh, in, in true Jesus fashion, he, he answers the question indirectly, right? He doesn't just say, He doesn't say, in 200 years, all these things will come to pass. Or, in 2,000 years, all these things will come to pass. Or, when the Mayan calendar ends, all of these things will come to pass. That's not what he says. Now, as we begin to look into the end times and Jesus' second coming, one thing we should keep in front of our minds and always remember is that some would lead us astray. That's what Jesus starts out with. He doesn't give you a date. He doesn't give you the exact details, everything. He says, watch your heart. Guard your mind. Look out for the the false Christs that are coming, that will come in my name. They're going to say, I am he. They're going to have all these great things to say. They're going to do amazing things. But you have to guard your heart. You have to have discernment. 
Now, the disciples here thought this was going to be something they would see in their lifetime, but it was something that would actually unfold over the centuries. The temple will be destroyed, but there, there's so much more. Much more is going to happen, and what we need to remember is that we have to guard our hearts and guard our minds. Scripture has to be the foundation. When we think about guarding our hearts, guarding our minds, and, and not being led astray, the foundational point of that and what we have to hold to Titus, the Titus 2 is Scripture, is God's Word. I mean, we live in a time of information overload with Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. You can get on YouTube and watch any end-time teaching you want to watch. There are hundreds of thousands of hours, probably millions of hours. I haven't done the research, but probably millions of hours of research you could do. You could probably never leave your home and watch it from today until you die and not rewatch the same video on studies of the end times or apocalypse type stuff to try and figure all these things out. We live in the information age where it's all right at our fingertips. And that's phenomenal. I mean, that's, that's a, a wonderful blessing, but it can be a horrible curse at the same time because there's so many people out there that are claiming truth and claiming things that may not be true. How are we to discern? How are we to know? I mean, in all of this information, when all of it comes pouring into us, how are we going to hold tight to the truth and know? It's God's word. That's how we're going to know. We have to hold tight to the word of God. And we have to know the scriptures. We have to know the word. Write it on our hearts. Memorize it. So, Here, I wanted to give you some tips for being on guard and for cultivating discernment in our lives. Just a few tips for these things. The first one is to study the Word. We need to be in the Word of God every day. It is like breathing oxygen or eating food. It's intaking God's Word. Just read it. Read it. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, just read God's Word. Take it all in. The second is filter your influences. This is a really important one. I mean, some of these videos and influencers and creators on YouTube and all these other online sites have really slick stuff. I mean, it looks amazing. Clickbait all the time, right? These pictures where you're just looking at it, oh, what is that? And you click on it, and next thing you know, you're 30 minutes into some crazy lunatic talking about, you know, some spaghetti space monster coming, Right? Have you heard of that, the spaghetti space thing that's a religion out in California, right? Okay, there's one guy here, good. Not just me. Just wild, crazy things, you know? And so we have to filter our influences. Not everybody is, is safe for us to listen to. This third, this third one's really, really important. Don't obsess. Don't obsess. There is a ton of Scripture in the Bible and only... Very few parts of it is apocalyptic eschatological texts, right? Now, that's difficult for us because we want to know, right? I don't know about you, but I want to know. I want to be ready. And And when we live in a society that is really actually obsessed with the apocalypse, right? I mean, we have zombie apocalypse movies coming out 
every month, it seems like. We have some type of end-world event movie coming out or video game or all these different things on HBO and Netflix that we can watch. Our world is obsessed with this kind of stuff. And there's parts of us that just we just want to know, and there's this mystery about it that is very intriguing, right? And we can go down that rabbit hole, man. It is, it is like a black hole. Like I said, millions of hours of research we could do. You could probably spend the rest of your life every minute, never rewatch one video or, or teaching or a different thing on it. But not, let's not obsess on these end time studies. Next one is pray without ceasing. Pray, pray, and pray some more. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. And really what that means is that we should all be living in this constant communion, this constant conversation with God. That that never ends. That Jesus is always with us. His Spirit is always with us, living in us. That we're always aware and thinking about His presence. Pray without ceasing. Next is be intentional about Christian fellowship. Now it's great. We all have our favorite preachers and teachers online, and that's awesome. We all have our favorite like studies and different people that we watch and, and hear on the radio. Maybe you have your favorite podcast that you have. It pops on in your car as soon as you jump into it. That's great. But there is nothing that will replace face-to-face Christian fellowship. You can talk about this stuff in your community group, and you will be probably this week. But there is nothing that can replace face-to-face conversations and talking about God's Word together in these eschatology ideas and studies, right? It's, seeing, it's amazing as you can see and talk through the questions that you have and see people's responses. And as you're reading through the text and trying to discern these things, discerning it with other Christian believers is, is really, really important. The last one is this. Sit under biblical preaching and teaching. Sit under biblical. This is another way to filter things out. If what you're listening to isn't based on Scripture, you should probably, can probably disregard it. <laughs> scripture has to be foundational. Has to be foundational. It's really important, too, as we study the Scriptures, is that we're not taking you know, half a verse from Matthew and a quarter of a verse from Revelation and a word from Genesis and uh, another sentence from Exodus and pairing this together and saying, this is what this means. No, we want to look at the scriptural text. We want to know what context, who it's written to, who wrote it, who it's written to, when it was written, what the context was, what was going on historically at the time, really using scripture as a foundation, not piecemealing it together. Were those things on the screen? Okay, good. They're on the screen. I won't repeat them. Let's pick it up here in verse seven. It's going to get really good. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Go ahead and underline or circle. Do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines These are but the beginning of the birth pains. Be on your guard. Go ahead and underline that. For they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. 
And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious. Go ahead and circle or underline, do not be anxious. Beforehand, what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. The next thing I kind of want to point out in this text is is number two in your feelings is trust in the Lord even in the most difficult times. We need to trust in the Lord even in the most difficult times. And here's what we know. It's going to get worse before it gets better. It is going to get worse before it gets better. And that means that fair weather Christians won't stand a chance. You know the fair weather Christians, you know what that means? It's like a fair weather sports fan. You know, everybody wants to be a fan of the team that's winning the Super Bowl, but nobody wants to be the fan of the team that went 0-14 or whatever it was. Fairweather Christians don't stand a chance. The ones that love Jesus as long as life is unicorns and rainbows, but as soon as those unicorns and rainbows turns into tornadoes and pterodactyls, they're out. They're going somewhere else. They're finding someone else. Now let's, let's think about this text just a little bit. This is going to be a time of judgment on the earth. The gospel at this time will still be preached and a multitude of Jews and Gentiles will be saved. I'm going to give you some references here because we're going to, he is referencing Revelation here a little bit. So Revelation chapter 7, 4 through 17 is talking about this time. I'll say that again, Revelation 7, 4 through 17. Now those who come to faith to Christ during this period of tribulation will experience intense persecution, but they should have confidence. Jesus reminded the disciples that when they stood before governors and kings, it would be as his witness preaching the gospel to the nations. They would not need to worry about what to say for the Holy Spirit would speak through them. They would be opposed even by family members. These believers will be hated because of their witness for Christ, but the one who endures to the end and this is a reference to the end of the great tribulation period, will be saved. In this instance, saved does not refer to spiritual salvation, but to preservation from physical death. In other words, believers who endure to the end of the tribulation will be spared physical death and enter the millennium. The whole point in all of this is that we have to get ready. As a pastor... um, Living and and working as a pastor through the pandemic was one of the most shocking and difficult things that I've ever done in my 26 or so years of ministry. As the pandemic hit and everything got closed down, there was like three months where we were not meeting as a church. I remember we were at Hoover High School and on the Sunday mornings, they would actually let the leadership team, Doug, you remember it, the leadership team would come in there. They don't, I think we we're only allowed 12 people or 14 people in the building at the time. And so the band would come in and they would do their uh, live stream of the music. And then I would come in and the band would leave because we couldn't have more than 14 people there. And I would do the sermon. I remember that week after week. And I was just preaching to a camera in an 800 seat auditorium by myself. I remember I remember going to the others and saying, oh my goodness, I did not sign up for this. You know, I, I am never going to be a televangelist. I'm just telling you that right now. That is not my wiring. But it was just horrible. 
and we lost connection with one another. And, and I remember my wife talking and she was just, I'm, she said, I'm dying. I miss going to church and worshiping with everyone, hearing the voices. I miss opening the Bible together and hearing the teaching. I miss growing together and, and having this fellowship. And she goes, it's, I love the time that we've had with our family, but this is killing me. And I felt the same way. We were desperate to, to come back to the church. I mean, we were, I mean, desperate's not even a strong enough word. We were dying to get back to fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I don't know if you experienced that or not, but here's the shocking thing and one of the most heartbreaking things for me. When churches opened their doors back from, from the pandemic, only about 60% of the people showed back up. And that 40% has never come back to church. That, that's just national statistics here in the U.S. I mean, you had groups of people that were desperate and dying to get back to church family and grow in their faith and fellowship. And then you had a large percentage never show back up. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Our, our Christianity has to be based on God's word and a personal relationship with our creator, a love for Jesus. And you see, that love for Jesus is what inspires us and motivates us to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ and, and pursue him together. Man, when, the, when the, the going gets tough, we have to be ready. When you think about this, Jesus is coming again. Are we ready? I mean, the stuff Jesus is talking about, fathers turning their children over to death, brothers turning brother over to death. This is intense stuff. Are we, are we ready? So many people, even after the pandemic, never came back. Many times in history when something difficult or tragic happens, like a natural disaster or a terrorist attack like 9-11, when churches came together the Sunday after 9-11, you couldn't have, you, there was not enough chairs in the buildings. I mean, nationwide, it was one of the largest Sundays of all time. But not after the pandemic. Something changed. Something has changed. That's not our need for God or our, 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 our desperate need for God is more prevalent than ever. I believe one of the main contributors is the lack of the preaching of the gospel. The churches have abandoned the good news. And so, so, many, so many preachers aren't preaching anymore. They're motivational speakers. Here's how you can feel good about yourself and build your self-esteem because that's the real God. Self and self-esteem. Many people will point to society and culture, and those are all serious contributing factors. But where are all the truth tellers that are willing to say, listen, your creator is coming back. That means that Jesus is God. He's coming back. And that means that the Bible is true. It's not some book of good sayings. It's not some philosophy of goodness. It is the actual truth that life is built upon, which means that we have to live our lives by its truth and obey its truth or there's consequences. If the creator wrote the book, 
When the world is burning down around us and lies are on the tip of every tongue and truth is a mirage that the world is just creating and recreating, where are all the truth truth tellers saying this is the truth, this is the light? I, I think there's a fear of being called names, being canceled or made fun of. But we need pastors, teachers. And this is the key part. We need Christians in our churches, churchgoers, Christians that will stand up and speak the truth and love, portray the grace, goodness. Let me say that again. That we need to portray the grace, goodness, and kindness of God to the world no matter what comes our way. Showing the goodness and kindness of God is not endorsing people's sin. It's calling them to righteousness when we're given the opportunity. Showing them a better way. Showing them a better love. Being kind is not changing scripture to match the whims of a fickle and deplorable culture. It's standing on the truth and helping, pleading with, and praying for those sinking in the quicksand all around us. This being kind isn't giving people what they want. It's giving them what they need. These may be the most difficult times, but we are called to be salt and light in a bland and dark world. God uses even the most difficult times for his glory, and we have to trust him and not be swayed or led astray by the world. Jesus goes on and it gets even worse. Verse 14. But when you see the abomination of desolation, that's a, that's a big words, isn't it? Abomination of desolation, standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And and alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. I told you it was going to get worse. Verse 20, and if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform, get this, perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Wow. I have told you all things beforehand. Be on guard. What's all this mean? This is the second half the great tribulation period is will begin with the abomination of desolation. Now this was prophesied by Daniel in the Old Testament. You might want to write this down. This is Daniel 2, verses 24 through 27. The abomination of desolation is the Antichrist. The Antichrist will arise during the seven-year tribulation period as a world ruler. 
at the midpoint of those seven years, he will begin, he will break a covenant of peace made with Israel and set up an abomination in a rebuilt Jewish temple. And that's referenced in Daniel 9, 27. Daniel 9, 27. If you're like me, man, you're going to go home after this and you're going to be jumping around your Bible. It's great. This will be an image in which he sets himself up as a God, revealing himself to be the beast who demands to be worshipped by all people in all the earth. And that's in Revelation 13, 5 through 8. Revelation 13, 5 through 8. That'd, be, that'd make a crazy Netflix movie, wouldn't it? Right? Third felony notes. What does Jesus say? We know it's coming, but be on guard. Now, I don't know if you followed this or not, but this is kind of like the, uh, the markings of the text. You know it's coming, but be on guard. As we've gone through this text, Jesus has said a few key words to keep in mind as we think about the sign of the times, the sign of the end times. The first one is this, be on guard. Go ahead and just write it down. Be on guard. We need to be on guard. We talked about being in God's word and all those tips for for really filtering those things out. The second is don't be anxious is what he says. Don't be anxious. That's the other that's the other piece we run into when we start diving into the apocalypse or apocalyptic literature, eschatology, end time studies, is we start to freak out. Like, people are going to be dying. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. Ah, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Everybody starts to freak out. Here's the thing. Have you ever been working on a Super Bowl Sunday and you set your, your uh, VCR? <laughs> Get everybody, all the millennials are like, VCR? What's a VCR? Is that a football? Super Bowl? Is it a football? No, back when I was a kid, we had these little boxes and you put this, no, I'm just kidding. It was a device that recorded video back in the day. But nowadays you could set your uh, DVR to record the Super Bowl, right? Have you ever had to do that? Or maybe your, your, uh, the last episode of your favorite show, right? And so you set your DVR to record that and you're just so excited, right? And you go to work and everything else, but somebody's got the game on on their phone. You know, and they're watching the game, and you hear them and everything else. They come running out of the break room. Oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe it. The Browns won the Super Bowl. We would never believe it, right? <laughs> yeah, right. No, but they come out, and you're like, no, I've got my DVR recording. Don't tell me. Don't. Oh, no, the Browns win the Super Bowl. I already know. And then you go home, and you're watching the game, and you're, like, watching the game the whole time. You're like, oh, that was a great catch, or, wow, that was a great run from Chubb, and, oh, wow, that was amazing. But you know the end. You already know. It's lost. It's kind of, it's lost. It's kind of that waiting and excitement and everything else. You're like, you know, by the end, you're like, yeah, they won. It's not like, you know, running around the house high-fiving, because you already knew it. That, that's how this works. We already know who wins. If you don't know yet, I'm going to, spoiler alert, Jesus wins. He's a winner. He's the winner. In, in, in fact, he's already won. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father, 
King of kings, Lord of lords. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is God. Big G, capital G, God. Don't be anxious. As we, the elect, the ones he's chosen, that's you and me, praise God, thank God, right? He is preserving us. It's not us preserving us. It is the almighty creator of the universe holding us in his hands. Who He knows all of these things. And we, here's the good thing. We don't need to know all the details. Because he has every detail worked out and planned out. So it's not freak out time for us. You know what it is for us? It's excitement time. Because we know who wins the game. Can you imagine that? I mean, place your bets. We already know who wins. It's over. It's finished. When we see these things, it's just be on guard. Be ready. But don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't freak out. He says it again. Don't be alarmed. It's another thing he says throughout the text. Don't be alarmed. You know it's coming. You know it's going to get worse before it gets better. Don't be alarmed. And the last one is to the bookends of this text. Be on guard. Again, but be on guard. Now, this means Jesus has told us these things would come and we have one of two options. We can prepare or we can not prepare. That's it. You've been given information right now. If you've never heard this before, you have been given information. Jesus is coming back. Before Jesus comes back, it's going to get real ugly. And that means we need to be ready. We need to be on guard, not be anxious, not be alarmed. Know that it's coming and have our hearts ready. Have our homes ready. Jesus is coming again. Praise the Lord. That's the best news you'll hear all morning. Jesus is coming again. The study of end times, like all other doctrines we study, is meant to motivate us to run after God, to relentlessly pursue a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus, or if you don't know Jesus, to pursue a relationship with Him. And if this truth doesn't compel you to check your life, no text will, right? This is, this is a gut check for all Christians anywhere as we read this, as we read this text. I'm looking back, I'm like, okay, if Jesus came like tonight, uh, am I ready? If, if Jesus was looking at my tax return, am I going to get a passing grade, right? If Jesus is looking at the way I raise my kids, am I, what am I doing? How am I doing? What's going on here? If Jesus grabbed my checkbook and grabbed my calendar, just kind of went through saying, all right, man, ooh, I don't think you were quite prepared. That's a lot of time on Xbox. I don't know. I don't know about that. That was a lot of Netflix binging. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the chosen. No. It's not, it's not, there's this, this reality that we live in and tension that we live in, right? That we have these, we have our lives that we have to go about and the details of our lives that we have to live in. But never, ever forget that Jesus could come back at any moment. Are we ready? Mission View, I want us to be a church that is ready. A praying church, a Bible church, and a church that just loves Jesus. Do you love Jesus? I do. Man, we sing these songs every Sunday morning. I just break down in tears like a baby. I don't get it. 
It's this love for Jesus. He's calling us closer. He's calling us deeper. And I pray that this revival of repentance and amazing work of God that's happening at Asbury and these other colleges would break out everywhere. That we would be a people so passionate for Him that we would be preparing our hearts for His coming today because He could come back today. Are you ready? Let's be ready. Amen? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. Oh God, hasten the day that you will come again. That we get to see you face to face. Our Savior, our Creator, our Sustainer. God, we want to know you more. We know that there are some terrible things that are going to happen. God, make us ready that we would be salt and light in this world. Move on our hearts even right now in this moment for our neighbors, for our coworkers, for our family members that don't know you, God, that we would share the good news of Jesus Christ with them, God. Move on our hearts like only you can do. By the power of your Spirit, give us the words to share because souls and eternities at risk and souls matter. These are people created in your image, God move on our hearts for our brothers and sisters that don't know you. Move on our hearts for our neighbors that don't know you. And God, I pray that you would put us on guard, that we would be on guard, that we wouldn't be anxious, just like you tell us to be. But God, that we would be a people ready for you. God, I pray that you would find us on our knees. Find us on our knees in prayer to you. That our lives would be lived out on our knees in worship to you. Because we love you, Jesus. And we thank you for all that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song this morning.